Hey, welcome back to the show. Today I am... Nope, what? Okay. <laughs> How many times have I done this? All right. You're listening to the CXMH Podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Vohr, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Dr. Holly Oxhandler. Hey, Holly. Hey, Robert. This week, we <laughs> talk with author Hannah Brencher about her new book, Fighting Forward, the lies we face in different phases of a journey and truths that can help keep us moving forward. But first, Holly, how are you today? I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's been, I think we were just saying uh, right before we hit record that it's been a little bit of kind of a more, uh, less eventful week. Yes. Which Yes, is very welcome. I know. At first you said, ah, maybe it's kind of a a boring, but actually like maybe that's kind of refreshing. So It is. uh, Yes. Yeah, it's nice to have maybe less kind of immediate current events that we have to address uh, in the show. So Yes. No, for sure, especially between, you know, current events, but even just within our own, you know, home, it's just, I feel like the last several weeks, it's been these, it's been like a roller coaster, but this week was a nice chance to just look back at all the things that I have had to set aside for a long time, like projects Mm -hmm. and papers that have had to be put off and finally able to just take a deep breath and then catch up on those things that have been put off for a bit. So, so it is very welcome. Yeah. Yeah. But what about you? Yeah. How's how have things that. been in the Boer household? Good. I think kind of the same, right? Nothing kind of major or massive, mm-hmm. uh, which has been again kind of uh, maybe a little refreshing or nice, you know, kind of. Yeah. I just I do my counseling things. I work on the show. I you know all the things that I need to get mm-hmm. done. Uh, and it seems like I'm gonna like really uh, hedge this probably, but so far this half of this season I've been a little bit more ahead and not can uh, not crunching to edit the show on Monday mornings so we'll see if I can keep that rolling I feel like now that's I amazing the universe and that's either a jinx or it'll be helpful but um so that's been uh, that's been nice less stress there that's awesome yeah man it feels so nice when you can like I feel like that's how I've been with my papers a little bit this week too where it's like actually being able to catch up a little bit and maybe even get a little bit ahead, but again, mm-hmm. knock on wood. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. There. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, let me ask you this. Mm. What is, can you <laughs> think of like the funniest lie that someone has ever told you? No. You know, what comes to mind is a, a prank that someone played on me. Is that fair? Can I, t- can I okay. tell that? Yeah. Actually, I mean, yeah. there's a lie in it and it's a prank and it just, testifies to some of my gullibility. Yeah, I think that works. So, okay, great. So, um I think I've mentioned <laughs> I think I've mentioned on this show before that um like all through college I worked at Starbucks. Um and that was like one of my favorite jobs that I've had. I loved it. It was like one of my favorite jobs. But during that time I remember a coworker coming up to me and telling me that a light bulb was broken and that I needed to go find the light bulb repair kit. 
And so he sent me on this wild goose chase to go find the light bulb repair kit all throughout the store. And finally, I came back. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, where is the light bulb repair kit? And he goes, Holly, it's a light bulb. What do you do when the light bulb is broken? And I looked at him and I turned bright red and I said, you replace it. And so, yeah, a few years later, I got to turn it around on someone else. But yeah, I don't know why that that's the thing that came to mind when you asked the question. So I am now going to turn it around on you. You tell me what is the I don't remember how you phrase the question now, but. The funniest lie? Is that yeah, what it was? The, the funniest lie that I could, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I have a very specific memory, and my brother backs mm-hmm. me up on this, of being on a road trip with my parents. So we used to drive to Maryland every year for Christmas from Georgia mm-hmm. to Maryland. Um, and uh, so obviously, you know, it, me and my brother as small children in the back of a van or whatever and driving up and down. And I don't know why, but I have like a very specific memory of my parents telling us that there was only one McDonald's and that it got up in the middle of the night and moved places. <laughs> and I can't for the life of me. So I, this might be one of the things that my parents deny when we bring it up. I, I can't remember if they like admit to this one or not, but I can't for the life of me actually even think of what the benefit of this lie would be because if we were like asking to go to McDonald's, that doesn't help. Obviously we like see multiple oh passing gosh. multiple McDonald's. So I have, I can't even for the life of me figure out what the, what the benefit there was. Other Why than don't you ask them? I want, I seriously, in the moment. I want you to ask them and I want you to report back because as a parent, I would love to know the rationale <laughs> for, <laughs> for saying there's one McDonald's yeah. that moves. I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe That's it was, amazing. you know, hour 12 of the drive with two small children and two, just, yes. you know, having some fun. <laughs> yeah, perhaps, I don't but. Know. No, I really, I would love to hear yeah. if they had a, a reason for that, but that's too funny. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Well, speaking of lies, mm-hmm. that was my segue. Love it. <laughs> so <laughs> speaking of lies, this week we talk with Hannah Bridger. She's going to listen to this and be like, what is this wacky intro? <laughs> Hi, Hannah. (laughs) Friend of the show, uh, who's been a guest a couple times before, but Mm -hmm. her new book, Fighting Forward, Your Nitty Gritty Guide to Beating the Lies That Hold You Back. Uh, And uh, we, I mean, I just, I love Hannah in general, Mm -hmm. just as a human being, but uh, I like, I mean, I've enjoyed getting, we kind of like opened this up up a little more and said like, hey, we're Mm -hmm. just going to kind of let you respond to people who might be at different parts of a journey, whatever that journey, you know. Um, and and mm-hmm. kind of speak to what lies they might face and and truths that would be helpful there. And she just went for it, which is which is awesome. So yeah, had a lot of fun. I think it was great. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm new to her work, to be honest. And I know I talk about that a little bit with her, but I I mean, I love yeah. the book, but I love the conversation. It was such a meaningful conversation. The you know so much of what she talks about in this book and in this episode i think is relevant to any of us in regards like like you said regardless of where we are in our journey and i just thought yeah. she unpacked this stuff so so meaningfully i mean i know i walked away from this yeah. episode thinking more intentionally about move, like pushing against those fears and you know she talks about those fight songs and like um i don't know i just i love the conversation so i can't say enough good about it yeah, but, yeah. so i'm super awesome. grateful that you brought her on the show and i'm excited for our listeners to get to hear this conversation in particular yeah yeah 
we will go ahead and move out of the way and transition in to our interview with Hannah Brencher. All right. Enjoy, y'all. So today we are so excited to be joined by the fantastic Hannah Brencher. Hannah is an author, blogger, and TED speaker. She founded The World Needs More Love Letters, a global community that sends letter bundles to those who need encouragement. Named as one of the White House's women working to do good and a spokesperson for the United States Postal Service, which we need now for sure. Hannah has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Oprah Glamour, USAToday.com, the Chicago Tribune, and more. Hannah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We're super excited to have you here with us today. Thank you. Yeah. And I actually, I wanted to point something out. So you have a really kind of unique distinction among guests that we've had on the show. Uh-huh. You first came on in 2017 when Steve was co-hosting with me. Yes. And then you came yep. on the mm. second time in 2018 during a, a chunk of time there where it was just me just as the host. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now you're joining us, obviously, with Holly as my co-host. So you're actually, I went back and checked, you're the only person that will have been on as a guest during like every iteration of the show. <laughs> oh, I'm honored. Yay. It's amazing. I will like always, I'm always pumped for these though, because I think like I love to talk about mental health and I think it's so important. So I'm like, let's just do it over and over again because it never gets old. Mm, That's awesome. Well, I love that. I know today we're going to be talking a little bit about the the concepts from your new book, Fighting Forward, Your Nitty Gritty Guide to Beating the Lies That Hold You Back. But before we get into that, is there anything else that our audience should know about you or that you you want to introduce about yourself? I mean, I think in this, yeah, this interim of time, I had a baby. Um, So I'm a mom now. Yay! Um, Yay! Yeah, (laughs) and that has been, it's actually, it's been really cool the way it has opened up new doors to talk about mental health because I realized in my pregnancy and after my pregnancy that we don't readily shine a spotlight on how moms are doing when, you know, they have a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. that seems to be a very American thing, but I I have tried really hard to be able to talk more openly about being a mom and, and taking care of yourself. But mm. yeah, I had a baby in a pandemic, so that was fun. Um, oh she is nine months old, coming up on one year, which is crazy, but it's been fun. It's been sweet, and we're all staying here at home still. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine navigating uh, the postpartum season through a pandemic. That's, oh my (laughs) gosh. I mean, yeah. It was, Uh, yeah. You know, one day at a time. That's really it. Yes, that's right. Well, that's, that Mm -hmm. is it. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Man. Well, congratulations to you and your family, though. That's such such good news, and um, we're so excited for y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we definitely want to dive into talking about um, your new book today, which is entitled Fighting Forward, um, Your Nitty-Gritty Guide to Beating the Lies That Hold You Back. Um, but before we jump into the book, we always love to hear a little bit around like the backstory, like what led you to write this book and mm. kind of that inspiration behind writing it. Yeah, so I think that the idea and the premise for the book showed up before I before I ever had one of those moments of like, this is going to be a book. Like, that is not what I thought for a very mm-hmm. long time, but the idea was always there. Um, so 
I I know I've talked on this show before about the depression that I went through in 2014, how it was a life-threatening depression. It, it rocked my yeah. whole entire existence, ended up in the hospital, mm. just really... I say, you know, I'd never had a plan to take my own life, but I completely learned in that season of like why people want the pain to stop so badly. Mm -hmm. um, it was mm -hmm. so dark and so hard. But I remember in the midst of that fight with depression that um, like I'm a very introspective person. Uh, and so I definitely had a moment during the Christmas season of that year where I kind of looked around and I thought to myself, like, I don't really like the way that I'm fighting right now. And, and I'm careful when I say that, because I think that with like mental illness, like we, we can fight as hard as we possibly can. And we have to give ourselves grace in that. But I was able to look at my own story and say like, huh, like I'm really believing the best for everybody around me, but I, I don't have any of those feelings for myself. And I think I need to find a way to shift that or change that. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I did was I went down to the drugstore. It was Christmas Eve. It was open. I bought a composition notebook and I started to pour my heart out into this composition notebook. And what I, what I did was I imagined if one day I had a daughter, what would I want to tell her about this current moment? Um, mm -hmm. Because I think what it's easy, what's easy to do, and I've done this at various seasons in my life, is that when you're going through something tough, your journals become like, mine become like all of these like cry outs to God, you know, of like, where are mm -hmm. you? I don't feel you. And you look back on the journals and you think, whoa, what was happening? Like you didn't write any of the details down, but also like they feel hopeless. And so by writing these, what I called fight songs at the time, I was trying to figure out what are the things that I'm learning in the midst of this dark time? What is the progress that I'm mm. making? Yeah. Kind of like if you're stuck in the woods, you're building a map and you don't know how to get out, but at least you can write down, okay, I know the trees look like this here. I know the ground looks like this over here. And mm. I just started to pour my heart into that notebook and they ended up becoming these fight songs that years later, my editor came to me and said, I think that you should write a book of fight songs. And I had been praying and felt the same thing. And so what's really exciting about the book is that it's like, it's not a chronological story. It is short, concise essays that hopefully will mm -hmm. propel you to show up to your life and move forward and realize that like, fear and lies and maybe trying to hold you back, but you can still claim hope within these seasons or these uncertain seasons that I think every single one of us probably needs a fight song at one point or another. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, that's good. Yeah, I love that. And what I what I love about what you're talking about is not like, okay, I'm not going to write any of the hard things down. I'm only going to write, you know, kind of in like a spiritual bypassing way that we've talked about on the show before. But yeah. I'm going to acknowledge what's happening and like the very the, like the reality of like this is hard here's what's happening here's what the trees look like here right is, yep. is what you said but then also like what are the things i need to remind myself of what are the the things like that mm -hmm. um and i love that especially knowing your background in uh, writing letters to other people i love that this one feels uh, at least kind of to me when i was reading it felt like hey these started as kind of letters to yourself yeah yeah um, and then mm -hmm. obviously now have been translated some but i love that so 
one of the things I love about this book is you've you've written it in kind of parts, or I guess it's it's structured in parts, right? Mm-hmm. That seem to kind of be directed at people in different seasons, or even different different seasons in different areas of our lives where we're in kind of different parts of our process. If that yeah, makes sense, totally. Right? So. What I would love to do, I wanted to try something a little bit different, okay. and I thought you might be someone good to do it with since you've been on the show before, <laughs> and I know you, and uh, we've danced at a wedding, right? So that's the last time I saw you in person, actually. I was thinking about that. <laughs> that a wedding. But so what I would love is to kind of go through and then kind of just prompt you in terms of what would you say to someone in this part of a journey at in some aspect of their life? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Let's do mm-hmm. it. Perfect. So the the first part, right, is called get ready, get set. And uh, it's kind of based around this idea of like, what if I'm kind of like, I have this idea, I have this goal, I have this dream, but I'm like so hesitant. Like I, I need to be X before I get started mm-hmm. or I need to be this, you know. So what kind of, I guess, you know, the questions would be like, what kind of lies are we hearing in that that stage? And then also like, what would you say to that, the, to people who are right there in that part of a journey? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of lies at that stage because I think that like, I don't know if you've ever read the book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Mm-hmm. I have. I have. Okay, yeah. such a good I thought book. about that, actually, when you talked about showing yep. up. I thought literally about that book, yeah. <laughs> because that whole book is all about resistance and that when you do show up for anything that is meaningful to you, resistance is going to also show up. And so um, I think the lies, they're varied based on the people. I think a big lie that people believe that could actually become a truth is that I'm going to start this and I'm going to fail, you know, like that. there is a possibility that you might fail. You just won't know if you don't show up. I think the lies of no one's going to care or this doesn't matter or I don't matter. I think there are a lot of people that are afraid of, well, what if it succeeds? And that is its own bundle of fears mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. maybe I'm not, you know, I think especially like if we tell ourselves a story over and over and over again, we get used to that story. We make an identity out of that story so much so that we don't know who we would be without that story. To me, I think, well, that's still reason to like show up and shatter those stories and become something new, but it's, it's scary. And so I guess what I would say to the person at that starting line is that like, it seems simple, but it's really hard is that you just need to start. And I think that you need to realize that the goal is not perfection. The goal is consistency. And those are two very different things. So like Mm. a lot of times we want to be perfect at what we're going to do. And I can tell you from everything that I've ever tried in my life, perfection is not going to be the standard from the very beginning. Like it's not going to happen. But what if the goal wasn't perfection and the goal was consistency of like, okay, I'm going to show up and incorporate this into my life as much as possible, or I'm going to show up and I'm just going to practice. And, you know, like they say practice Mm -hmm. makes perfect, but like eliminate the perfection part and just say, what if this is practice? How does that change what I'm doing? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, because I think like a lot of times, like we, we don't start or we, we start, we get a little momentum and then we fall out. And so I want for every single person to actually to be able to go towards the things that matter to you. Because if you don't, you're ultimately breaking your own heart is what you're doing. Like, what is it going to look like if you get to the end of your life and you never tried that thing that you swore would light you on fire? And, 
Yeah, I think it's a it's a wide variety of things. It doesn't mean you are building the company of your dreams. It doesn't mean that you're becoming a famous writer. Like, I don't know what your dreams or goals are, but like, it could be little things. It could be, I, I want to learn to jump rope this year, or um, I want to take, I want to learn a new language. Like, whatever it is, just deciding I'm going to start and I'm going to show up consistently for this thing because it matters and that's enough. Oh my gosh. I love every bit of that <laughs> that you just said. I wrote down when you were saying where you had just noted that go towards the things that matter to you because if you don't, you're breaking your own heart. And I I just that context of and how you articulated that, it's it's so important. And you're so right. We can't turn away from those things that matter to us in that way. Yeah. That's so good, Hannah. Oh my well, gosh. Like, especially as like a new mom. I don't know what mm-hmm. like shifted in my perspective because the the second that I had her, I felt this renewed this renewing in my spirit of like, man, I really need to take care of myself. Like I just felt it. And mm-hmm. I don't think that that is the norm when people become moms. It's usually like especially in American culture, it's kind of like this everything is for the baby like martyr for the baby. Um, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because I am an advocate for mothers. It is a hard job and we are all kicking butt at it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> at the same time, I became very cognizant of the fact that she's watching me. She's watching me. Yeah, yeah. And when you invest in yourself in a way of like, say for instance, you want to read more books or you want to learn that new language, like when you take time to stoke the fire in your own life, that's only going to make you a better version of yourself for somebody else. And like, I want her to see that. I want her to see the fire in my eyes. I want her to know that life is worth living through the mundane parts and that you can make your own magic, so to speak. You know, like if, if you don't like what's happening around you, you can make little tweaks and changes to maybe not change the circumstances, but change how you act within the circumstances. Yep. No, I love, I love every bit of that. Like just absolutely love that. And the importance of modeling that for our kids and, you know, and even for those who aren't parents, you know, the way the people that are around us that are looking to us and paying attention that, you know, we do need to be taking good care of ourselves Oh gosh, I could just riff on this forever, but I do want to dive into part two. So in part two, this one is focused on go. And, you know, we have these ideas like, you know, just get started or start small. And they may seem easy enough to say to other people, but they tend to be really hard to do for ourselves. So what are what are some ways that you found that helped you to actually put those things into practice? You know, what would you say to those folks who are taking those first few steps into something? Yeah. Also, you may hear my little girl in the background at some point because I can hear her yelling that, downstairs. That is okay. <laughs> she is welcome on the show as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, pandemic, there's nowhere to go. Um, so I'm a very I'm very big on practicality. Um, so there are there's something to me, this is a big step in all of the moving forward, is finding a way to track your progress. I can't stress this enough. Like this is like my number one thing. Um, If you are trying to eat healthier, finding a way to track that progress. If you're trying to write more words, finding a way to track that progress, whatever that looks like for you. If you're a Google Doc person, build a Google Doc. If you like notebooks, 
use a notebook you already have. I'm not advocating mm. for you to go out and buy a new one because that's just another excuse of like, I can't start till I have this notebook, you uh-huh. know? Yeah. But finding a way to what I call it is like collecting evidence of the opposites. So like I had a friend, I have a friend, uh, Lauren, who like voice memoed me one day and just was like, I'm just not feeling it. Like I'm in a slump right now. And like, I'm just not feeling like I'm this type of person, that type of person. And what I told her to do is I said, you need to start collecting evidence of the opposite. Because the thing is, when the lies come to interrogate you, the only way that you can actually shut those lies up, well, probably not the only way, but one of the most effective ways is if you're able to throw evidence back in their face and say, you might think this, but like, I have evidence of the opposite here. Um, And so I am a Mm -hmm. tracker of all things. Like, On days where it's very easy to think like, okay, like nothing worked the way I thought it was going to work or the baby didn't sleep or everything went haywire. I'm tempted at the end of the day to to tell myself that wasn't a good day, right? That wasn't a productive day. So now what I've started to do is I will open up to a new page on my notebook and I keep track of everything. I'm telling you everything. Mm. And the reason that I do this is because I get to the end of the day and I look at it and I realize, no, you did more than you thought that you did. And tasks that you might think in your head are not that noble. They matter, you know? And so Mm -hmm. that is one of the ways in which I track. Um, I'm a tracker of workouts. I'm a tracker of almost everything, but that's simply because it shows me that I've been consistent in a certain area. And so, whereas you might look around and feel like you're making no progress, you're able to look and say, okay, but there's evidence that I've showed up, that I'm moving forward, that I'm becoming a more consistent person. And so to me, that's terribly important if we're trying to transform and change in any way. Oh my gosh, you are you're speaking to my researcher heart like mm-hmm. completely. I'm um by day I'm an associate dean of research at um, Baylor. And so everything that you're saying right now about evidence and making sure that you have that and being able to have something to look back to is just making my heart sing right now. So thank you. (laughs) Well, it's funny because like it was a few years ago that I met with um, a cerebral neurologist that lives here in Atlanta. um, And we were talking about depression and that depression that I went through in 2014. And he basically, he said to me, like, he was like, I think that one of the healthiest things for you is to, I'm going to mess this up. Is it the left side of the brain that's creative or is it the right? Oh, I always get those confused. I think it's the right side that's creative and the left side that's the analytical. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, whichever one. He basically said, like, you know, if you are leaning so heavily on the creative side of your brain, like you are going to fatigue, you're going to drain out, like you have a higher tendency of getting depressed because you're leaning on emotion so much. And as a creative, I'm like, that's what I do. You know, I lean into Mm -hmm. those emotions and I Mm -hmm. take part. And his instruction to me was to start doing more analytical things, to start doing more um, step-by-step things or following instructions or reading cookbooks. And I took that to heart, like almost probably too far to realize (laughs) this is a way to balance my brain out, that as much as I get to be creative in this space, this tracking is a way for me to be doing something that's more logistical and that makes me healthier in turn. 
That's amazing. I love that. I love just thinking through that balance, the left and right side. It feels so it feels so comforting hearing that. So thank you for passing that along. That's amazing. Absolutely. Mm. That's awesome. I think what's interesting is as you were talking about that, I thought, ooh, I need to pair this with some of the some of the lies about like you need to have everything set up before you go because I know for me, I tend to uh, say, okay, I, I need some way of like tracking and things like that. That will help me be organized and keep. But then I like spend all the time. This is what we call pseudo productivity, right? I spend like, okay, I'm going to spend an hour mapping out this whole perfect Google Doc and getting it all set up and like calculate how many words oh. I would need. Right? And then I, at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I didn't actually start the thing, and then I feel worse. So I need to like pair some of these. Well, together. so with you, I would give you my 15 minute rule, which is you start the task, you spend 15 minutes on it, and so if it's a big task get it 15 minutes at a time. But if it's somebody like you who's like, let me spend an hour mapping this out, which will turn into two hours, which will turn into never actually using the tool, I would Mm. tell you, you have 15 minutes on the clock to create this thing and whatever is there at the end of the 15 minutes, that's what you use. That's amazing. I love that. I love that. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, so any uh, any of the other ones from uh, like part one or part two, because we're going to get into uh, some roadblocks, things like that, but any other things from kind of those first two chunks in terms of getting started that you really want to make sure people hear from you? There is a chapter, chapter 10, called Watch for Foxes, and this is... This basically is your call out to find the ways to eliminate your distractions because that is a huge reason why we don't go or we don't keep going. It's because we get distracted mm. or we're watching other people or we, we've we got an hour to get things done and we spend 45 minutes of it on TikTok. You know, like I think we've all been there in that <laughs> space, whatever medium it is. Um, and so finding ways to eliminate your distractions. There's a part in the Bible about how you watch for the little foxes that come along and spoil the vine. And it's like how those little foxes, they might just slip past. You might not even realize they're sucking so much time from you. And so figuring out in advance, what are those things? What are the things that stop me from doing what I need to do? Is it Pinterest? Is it social media? Is it texting? Um, A lot of them have to do with the phone, usually um, with the people that I work with. And so for (laughs) that, I literally grabbed a box that I already had um, and I put my phone in the box whenever I'm creating something or I'm doing a really important task. And I will not take my phone out of the box until I'm done with it. Um, So it's literally just putting your phone Mm. in a box or there is an app that I've been using lately that it's, it's a free app. I wish everybody used it. It's called forest and you you plant little trees as you're doing your tasks, but you cannot touch your phone during it or you will kill the tree. Um, And so for a data driven Mm. person like me, Mm -hmm. it's like you're able to look back and say, wow, I planted 20 trees this month or, Oh, I planted like a hundred trees this month. And you're able to see where your time has gone but you're also able to know that was time not spent on your phone. Mm. That's yeah. amazing. That's awesome. I love that. 
So before we move on, the last one that I did want to ask you about. So there's you have a, a part where there's a promise me you'll fail contract. Yes, yes. And I know, as you mentioned, like none of us really love failing <laughs> per nope. se, uh, especially I think kind of in right now where everything is kind of immediate results. But can you explain why you would write a, a promise me you'll fail contract and what that is? Yeah, so I, I wrote this contract a few years ago for an intern of mine. Um, When I was working more in like the like the nonprofit space, basically, when I was working like a nine to five job, I had interns that were under my leadership. And there was always like dozens and dozens and dozens of pages of paperwork that they had to fill out. And I mean, I remember being an intern. So I just remember thinking like this, this only made me more nervous that I was going to mess something up or I wasn't going to do everything right. And so when I went self-employed and brought on my first intern, I decided, okay, I am also going to add in this contract called the promise me you'll fail contract. And I wanted my intern and all of my interns and people that I work with now to know that like, Hey, like I'm not holding you to a standard of perfection. Like I actually want you to fail. That does not mean that I want you to fail on purpose and like, you know, mess Mm -hmm. up things for the sake of messing up. But I want you to know that like some of the most valuable things that you are going to learn in your life are going to be because of failure. And so don't spend your life tiptoeing around the very thing that might teach you or transform you. Um, I can like look back on my life and they're and they're not fun, pleasant experiences to look back on. Like no one wants to like ruminate on the times when they failed. But I look back and I think that grew me up or that taught me something I never want to do again. Or that interaction with that professional taught me, hey, when I'm in that situation, I want to do it differently. And so looking at our failure as teachers rather than something that we need to avoid at all cost. Oh, that's so good. That's so, so good. I I just love your attention to to failure and how we, you know, the contract and, and that that is that point of transformation and growth. And I just think that's so important. I'm really glad that, you know, Robert elevated that piece. Well, speaking of failures, part three is about the times that we face roadblocks and plateaus. Do you mind kind of diving into a little bit of what you would like to share about part three in particular? Yeah, so this is a really important part for me to include in the book because I think that a lot of us, like, we encounter roadblocks and that's the thing that stops us. So, like, when I was thinking about, like, this idea of, like, showing up and moving forward and, like, actually bringing things to fruition, I knew I had to dedicate a substantial amount of writing to the roadblocks because we've all been at a place in our lives where we're going strong and then we get sidetracked or we, you know, we end up in a dark place or whatever it is. Um, And so, yeah, the different things that I get into, it's a wide variety of people that are experiencing some kind of darkness or feeling like God is absent. Or um, one of the chapters is this idea of evicting the envy that a lot of times in our Mm -hmm. own stories, we can get so caught up in the stories of other people, what they're doing, what they're doing right, what we're doing wrong. And we start to try to run somebody else's race, which is never effective. Mm. But it's this idea of like, if I can just watch everybody else and what they're doing, then maybe I can emulate that. Maybe I can imitate that. And like, we are growing up into like a world that is like, 
like we've kind of romanticized imitation. Like TikTok is like the finest example of that, if you ask me, of like, here's a dance and I'm going to spend my best hours learning this dance so then I can then post this dance on TikTok. Um, and I'm, there's nothing wrong with people learning how to dance. But I, I want to shake people sometimes and be like, but what are what about your own creations? Like, what do you yeah. want to do? What do you want to create? Because these are sacred hours within the day. And so um, I think we get caught or stuck thinking, okay, I need to make it look just like that person. But like, if I were to invite you to a dinner party and like there was like a Google Doc, say for instance, for the ones of us that love the Google Docs, of what people are bringing, you wouldn't look at that Google Doc and be like, okay, somebody's bringing bacon wrap dates, so I'm going to make bacon wrap dates too. Like that would make no sense whatsoever. You would have to create something that wasn't already being brought to the table. So why do we spend so much time trying to make what other people are already making and making well? Like we should be getting away we should be turning off the noise and we should be figuring out what do i uniquely have to bring into the world oh that's so good mm. man mm. it's just yeah, yeah it's it's one of those things and and i i preface all of it to say that like none of these things that i've put into practice are overnight things or right. perfection things so like i still fall into pits of envy or i still get caught sometimes looking at somebody and being like, oh, they're doing that really well. Maybe I could do something similar like that. That's normal. That's just a part of it. But it's also setting up things in your life that are going to allow you to skip those detours or skip those roadblocks. Yeah. yeah. So I did want to, um, there was one that kind of stuck out to me. You write about kind of this shifting definition of endurance mm -hmm. that you had learned. Can you talk about that? Because I think that, you know, can easily kind of pop up in terms of getting discouraged and things like that. So can you talk some about kind of a, a shift in how we understand endurance? Yeah, ooh, that, this one hit me in the face when I learned it. <laughs> I'm like a perpetual wannabe runner. Like I run in spurts of like, I'm gung-ho and then all of a sudden I'm not running at all. And it's my dream to be a runner. I'm just not there yet. Um, and so... When I run, though, I don't like to listen to music. Like, I like to listen to podcasts. I like somebody to be talking to me. And so I use this app called, like, the Nike Run app, um, and they'll talk to you throughout your run and basically give you a giant pep talk fight song. Um, and so I was writing – I was running one day, and um, the guy – I believe the trainer's name was Adam – he was talking about endurance. And uh, in my mind, from what I've learned and what I've been taught, especially as somebody who, you know, is familiar with the Bible, I think of endurance as like, you know, like excelling, like being the best, like, you know, endurance is something that like we think about with like Olympic athletes or people that are training hard. It's like you're building endurance. Um, but what he said within the run is that, the actual definition of endurance simply means to remain in existence. And I thought that was so powerful. I was like, here I am thinking endurance means like rule the day, get it done. And in actuality, sometimes endurance is just remaining. It's just being in existence. And that to me is so helpful, especially for the sense of like, when you deal with depression, there are going to be days that still catch you off guard or days where the lies are loud. And in those days, I have to remind myself, hey, 
Like this is endurance for you to remain in existence. This is endurance. And that just might mean that that's all you do all day or endurance looks like, you know, the victory is the pants or taking a nap or whatever it is. But it's this idea of like, maybe, maybe endurance is not what I thought it was. And this reminder to simply remain. And it's really brave to do that in the world that we're living in. Yeah, that reminds me of kind of at the beginning, you had talked about just showing up and starting, yeah. right? And this idea of like, maybe endurance doesn't necessarily mean that like, I'm crushing everything all the time, yeah. right? But like, I'm showing up and I continue to show up even if showing up is all I did, right? Mm, you, I think yep. at one point you had written this story about this this guy who had, for like a month, he had gotten dressed, driven to the gym, sat in the gym for five minutes and then left, yep, right? Yep. And how like, for some of us, we would say, oh, well, he didn't really do anything, but like he did. I mean, that's like 15 steps beyond not doing anything, right? And so this idea of like, hey, I'm showing up each day even if even if I wouldn't maybe frame it as like, quote unquote, a big win or whatever, but like showing up is, is a win in itself, you know? 100%. Yeah. And I think I wish that we had more grace to frame it as such of, you know, like it's already hard enough to be humans and then to add like personal self transformation on top of it. Like that's hard, but I think it's because we have in our minds, like this mindset of what does progress look like? And, and it always looks big and it always looks documentable. And I'm like, but what about the small wins and the small victories? Because those add up too, you know? Yeah. Well, let's, let's shift into talking about part four, if you, if that's okay with you, or we can just move into to part five, if you'd like. Yeah, I'm good with whatever. Maybe do you want to do like a quick summary of part four, which is based on it, or it's called cheerleaders. Do you want to just give yeah. us a quick summary about that? Totally. So part four is about the cheerleaders, which I, again, a necessary part that I felt like we needed to include was this idea of like, when you're moving towards something, there are going to be people that hopefully show up on the metaphorical roadside to cheer you on. But at the same time, like, you're called to be a cheerleader as well. I think a lot of times we get so stuck with our own goals and what we're doing and what our to-do list looks like that we forget that there are other people to cheer on or to, you know, check in with them for progress or to pray for them or whatever that looks like. And, And I think this is incredibly important, especially in the world that we're living in right now, like this COVID world where like, If you are an introvert like me, then there is a possibility that you thought in some way that like this gave you a pass for community. You're like, well, I don't have to go and hang out at people's houses anymore. Like, oh, great. I don't have to go to like big church gatherings. Like that was me. I'll be honest in saying that. Um, But it has reminded me and I keep getting reminded of like, no, like this is not a pass on you not being with your people or checking in on your people. It may look different right now, but like arguably we need each other more than ever before. And so what are the things to incorporate in your life that is going to mean you show up for others or you encourage others or you remind others, hey, I'm thinking of you or like, hey, like I'm committing you to memory or sending somebody a latte or an Uber Eats or whatever it is. But I, I always believe that like this stuff doesn't happen spontaneously. Like it's it's things we need to think about and we need to prepare for. And so 
that reminder to one another of like, hey, we need one another. And just as much as you're driving towards what it is that you want to accomplish, there are other people driving towards the same things. Even just sending a text to say like, hey, like one year from now, what do you want to be different about your life? And then like committing to choosing to check in on that goal, like throughout the year, something simple like that would mean that you're committing other people to memory and thinking of them. And that's huge. Yeah. And letting other people do Mm -hmm. that for you. Right. Because obviously if you're the one getting that text, you have to opt in in terms of Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I'm going to be vulnerable and tell you what I want to be different in a year and then be okay with you checking in on it. Right. Which can be absolutely. And especially if you're not good at being vulnerable, you know? Right. And that I, I love how so many of these kind of build on each other, but the you talked earlier about kind of like letting go of the envy and things like that. And this, I think, parallels like or like they, they kind of depend on each other, because if I see, you know, you on uh, on social media, like really crushing it, like, oh, look, you're creating a lot of good Instagram content. And my thought is like, oh, you're always, how do you do, like, this is so annoying. Like, I should be doing mm-hmm. that, yeah, like, you know, yeah. then there's no way I'm going to be cheering you on, right? Um, And so kind of those things, Mm -hmm. I think, can kind of influence each other in both directions, right? If I'm really committed to cheering for you, it's going to be harder to be like kind of spiteful Mm -hmm. about it, right? Because I'm I'm like leaning into, yeah, I'm showing up and and really, I was going to say cheering for you again, but that's all right. Well, and that's huge, especially for the fact that I feel like the, the era that we live in, it's almost like social media is an autopilot thing. Like we're, it's just a part of our lives. It's an extension of us. And so we have to almost work harder to keep social media as what it was designed to be, which was social media, to be social with one another. And so like, I think that we have to challenge ourselves to not be like lurkers on social media, where we're literally just consuming a ton Mm. of stuff and we're not doing anything with it. We're not creating our own content. We're not even liking other people's content. We're just consuming. I think that that has some real psychological ramifications. And so I remind myself of like, okay, let's get on here and be intentional. Let's be intentional with answering people's questions. Let's be intentional with like responding to people in the comments section. And let's be intentional to cheer other people on. And I think that the misconception that I've had to deal with with a lot of people is like, well, what if I don't feel like it? Like, I don't feel like cheering people on or like I have envy. And so I don't, it doesn't feel authentic to me to cheer people on. And I think in some cases in life, you kind of have to fake it till you feel it. Um, I'm not saying all areas of life, but in this area, I learned that like the only way to combat my envy was to become a really good cheerleader for other people. And that meant at the beginning, I didn't want to. I didn't feel like it, but I kind of had to figure out how to override those feelings. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So part five, and I know we're getting close to time, so we'll kind of land the plane here, but part five is a really interesting one for me because I tend to be the type of person that gets really excited at the beginning <laughs> of a new project or an idea, right, and then have kind of a harder time with, as you put it, the steady paces and the finish lines, mm, right? Yep. So can you speak to people who say like, okay, I, you know, I, I tend to be in this cycle where I like get really excited and then kind of, you know, the thing flames out as it goes. What would you say to, to folks like that? Yeah, I think that... like me, I guess. Tell me what to do, Hannah. Yeah, let me talk to you. Uh, (laughs) 
Well, I think it's interesting because I think that like, yeah, we put a lot of momentum on starting, right? Like, oh, I'm starting something new and everybody like loves to cheer somebody on at the start line. But like, what about the finish lines? And like, I think we have to realize that like people are also watching the way that we finish and we need to finish well. And that looks like, I think sometimes that looks like before we lose the momentum, maybe closer to the beginning, we figure out what are the things that we need to do in order to ensure that we finish well, because it's, it's really easy to figure out what we need to do to start. And it's really easy to make lists while it's happening. But what happens when like the momentum dies out or when it definitely feels like we're getting to the end of something, have we figured out what it would mean to finish well? And I think that that's really important because I, I've been somebody who hasn't finished well. I've been a part of things where it felt like, yeah, that was all great until the ending where it got really sloppy. And so I'm really mindful of like, okay, how do we bring this full circle, you know? And like, how do we, even if it didn't turn out how we thought it was going to turn out, how do we make sure like we cross our T's and dot our I's? Because especially in the world of business, people are going to remember if something doesn't get finished, right? Like, I know that I remember it with people Mm. that I work with of like, oh, okay, like, I don't know if I want to work with you in the future because like you were all gung-ho until it got quiet and then where were you, you know? And so that's something that I'm constantly trying to put into practice and especially with like this younger generation that it's, it's really great to start when you can document everything but then it's like but I don't know how to finish anything and I'm like I I don't know I've seen it a lot with like internships in the past and people that are like all gung-ho until life gets busy and then they end up ghosting rather than finishing and I think like it's really important that we hold ourselves to a standard of choosing to finish even if that means it's a necessary ending or Finishing means that we don't finish at all, but we find a way to close the circle. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I love that. So before we wrap up, um, I do have a question here from our CXMH community Facebook group. If you, uh, listener, if you want to submit questions and be involved with the show in ways like that, make sure to check out that group or check us out on Patreon. But uh, Louisa asks, what's the most crucial habit you found to build in order for our victory over the lies to be sustainable in the long term? Ooh, that's such a good question, Louisa. I think that... Honestly, it's it's this idea of like, I call it like switching the script in the sense of like, if, if you're, if your head is full of lies and like things that you feel like you're not doing well at, or like you're not succeeding at, you have to find a way to insert more truth into your brain. And for me, that sometimes looks like, I mean, in the pit of that depression, that looked like writing fight songs, or that looked like when what I started to do in that depression is I, I kept a word document up at all times. And I committed to every night before I went to sleep, I wrote down what had happened that day. Um, because I, I knew I was going to want to look back on it. And I knew that I was going to want to see like, evidence of how I was fighting through this really dark time. And so like, if the lies are loud, and the lies are telling you this or that, I would say setting up a habit 
that involves like speaking truth over yourself or something that I do like in my like daily journal is like, I'll write myself these little like pep talks or like, I guess little love letters, which sounds kind of corny, but they're actually impactful Mm, because they seep into your brain. And like, you know, I wrote myself one just the other day of like, Hey, like today was a hard day and you showed up for it and you were here and like, you did this and you did that. And like, remember this. And it's like, you're like speaking to yourself, but you're like preaching to yourself in a lot of ways. And so if that kind of habit doesn't exist in your life, I would probably add that somehow to your life, whether that's once a week, whether that's you're building up to like writing yourself a little note every day or whatever speaking truth over yourself would look like. But that's one of the ways that you can actually be like rewriting the neural pathways and the negative thoughts that you have in your head. Doing it once is not necessarily going to change anything, but doing it consistently on repeat, things are actually going to start to change in your brain. And that's crazy, but exciting. Oh gosh. I love that. That's such a good, good, good question from Louisa, but such a beautiful response. Thank you so much for that. Absolutely. So one, one last question that we like to ask our guests who come on, especially those who have, you know, written books or they're doing research or there's these big projects that they're doing that they poured so much of themselves into. We're really curious about what your hope is for this book as it has, it's been out for a few weeks now and will continue to be out there. And, um, but yeah, I'd love to hear what, what's your hope for this book? Gosh, I mean, my hope is that when people pick it up and they start to read it, like my real hope is that people will, it will be the prompter to get them to put down the book and go live their lives. Like that's Mm -hmm. all that I want is that I think that what, what this pandemic has done is um, it's really like lulled us to a place of complacency within our own lives. And I think that like we've almost become like spectators in the lives of everybody else because we have this excuse of like, well, I can't go anywhere. So what else do I do? You know, and I want people to know like life is not a spectator sport. You need to show up. And so my hope is that they would take the practicality of this book and they would start doing things. They would start changing things. And the thing is, the book is not a book full of it's not a how-to book. It's not a self-help book in the sense of like, here's the map to do A, B, and C, because I knew I couldn't write that book for people. You have to draw your own map. But it is really my best shot at showing up and being a roadside cheerleader for my readers, for anybody that picks up the book. And so, yeah, like nothing, it's funny because I think people think like, you put out a book and like, then what happens? And I think like the gift is that, it's out there now and people can pick it up for years to come. And that's what I love. I go back to doing my everyday work that I love, but I get to know that with every person that picks it up, hopefully something is going to change in their spirit and they're going to realize they can do the exact same thing. They can follow their dreams. They can write books. They can do whatever it is, but it's going to require them to put the book down and just start. Oh gosh. I just love that so much, Hannah. I I love your call for your readers to, you know, to live their lives and your heart, your heartbeat behind, you know, your writing and just everything that you've been speaking of through this episode. It's just, it's so beautiful. And I'm just so grateful for your encouragement and your presence. So thank Thank you. you. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, if you want to connect with Hannah, you can find her on facebook.com slash Hannah Brencher Sheets on Twitter or Instagram at Hannah Brencher or visit her website at hannahbrenchercreative.com. You can buy this book, Fighting Forward, your nitty gritty guide to beating the lies that hold you back on wherever you buy books or you can buy her previous books. If you want to connect with Holly, you can find her at hollyoxhandler.com or on any social media at hollyoxhandler. You can connect with me at robert-vore.com or on any social media at Robert Vore. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us today. Mm. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? I, I think we covered it. I mean, I feel like we did it all. So y'all just got to <laughs> stop listening right now and go do something for the next 15 minutes. Thanks for listening to the CXMH podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMH podcast at gmail.com.